did a mushroom pizza and I turn the web store on. Eddie's already at the restaurant. I get in the shower and I, all of the web orders are synced to my phone. So if I'm like doing something, I'll feel like a I'm like, okay, we're getting an order. And I'll go look and the printer will print up. So I'm like shampooing up soap in my eyes and I just hear my phone going, I'm like not even at the restaurant yet. And I just know like, okay, there's an order, there's an order, there's an order, there's an order, there's an order. And it's just going and going and going. I'm not, I have no clothes on. My body's covered in soap. And I'm just like, we're screwed. and welcome to the Dine One Six, a food podcast about Sacramento, where we take you behind the scenes and introduce you to the people who are making some of your favorite dining experiences happen here in town. My name's Max Connor. I'm one of the hosts, joined by my co-host, Neil Little. Neil, for lack of a better term, what's cooking, man? Man, it was a long day of cooking, let me tell you that. I smoked my first brisket yesterday. Oh, I feel like that's such a moment with your barbecue. You, you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's doing burgers and things like that. But when you have to spend the entire day, like kind of coaching and talking and working with your grill, it's, you know, it's, 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 a, <laughs> it's, it's a true day between a, a man and his grill. No, I had a lot of fun. Got a brisket from Costco, trimmed it up with the help of a buddy of mine. Got a rub on there and cooked it from 10 a.m. yesterday till 9 p.m. last night was when it was finally able to be eaten after an hour of resting. It was good, I think. It was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. And it's also nice that the weather is back, that we can be outside cooking again. I feel like I got this grill and cooked on it for like three weeks and then haven't touched it because it's been so hot outside. Yeah, triple digits make it so it's too hot to cook outside and it's too hot to turn on anything inside. And so, as we talked about last week, what do you end up doing? You end up going out to eat places, which is not a bad thing. I don't mind. If I had all the money in the world, I'd probably still cook a lot, but I also would go out to eat a lot more than I do. I just call it research now with this. That's 100%. That's really the point of having the podcast is just my excuse to go eat. I have joked before on this podcast that it is really just a ruse to talk my wife into letting me go out to eat more at restaurants in Sacramento, which is not far from the truth. It's a, it's a good ruse. It's not far from the truth. Funny you should say that about takeout. I got sushi the other night, and I was talking with one of the young ladies there at the host stand, and she said they can book it. The higher the temperature, the more takeouts for sushi. I'm like, well, yep, that's why I'm here too. Yeah. None of us want hot food, and none of us want to turn the oven on. Makes perfect sense. One of the other things I like to get when it's hot out is pizza. And while we are doing Pizza Month, you know, we uh, might as well throw another name out there. Who are we bringing on this week, Max? This week, we are talking to Ben Roberts, who is the owner of Pizza Supreme Being. If you have not been to Pizza Supreme Being, it has been brought up on this podcast before. Chris Sinclair, who's the owner of Bodega, mentioned it as favorite pizza. It is, I would say, it's certainly the pizza I eat the most in Sacramento. You know, there's a couple other places I've been to once or twice that I haven't eaten at enough to compare, but I mean... I don't know. I kind of like the loss of words there, to be honest. Like, I think that's enough said right there. The pizza is so good that you're at a loss for words. <laughs> and I, I agree with what you're saying, that there are many types and varieties of pizza in Sacramento that are outstanding. So it's we're not going to call one the best, but this is definitely of recently, like, my most eaten pizza. Yeah. To say the best is just it's such a bold, hyperbolic statement. But it is probably – it is currently my favorite pizza in town. That I can say unequivocally. It's the place I go eat the most – it's a place you can get slices. It, you know, it's naturally leavened sourdough crust pizza that has the sour bite to it. It's crispy. It bends a little bit. You can fold it in half. It's, it is such a good slice of pizza. 
And I know you knew about it, but you met Ben, and then you really started eating there, and it's become almost like a Sunday ritual for you at this point to get a pizza supreme bean pie. I mean, it is at this point. He's doing peaches and pork belly and Jimmy Nardello peppers. He did a beef cheek and chimichurri. He did an In-N-Out burger one. Yes, for those counting, I did buy every single one of those. (laughs) Uh, But I think the other cool thing about it, as you're about to hear, is that Ben is such a cool guy. Like, as much as I do really enjoy his pizza, I actually enjoy supporting him more and knowing that he's a thick part of the fabric of this community here. Yeah, Ben is a Sacramento diehard, which is one of the things I love about him. He he not only loves this city, but he's a huge cheerleader for this city, for the food scene in it. And he's just a really great guy. And so we are really excited to introduce you to him. So with that, let's kick off our episode with Ben Roberts of Pizza Supreme Being. Ben Roberts, thank you so much for being on the Dine One Six. It's really great to have you here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's yeah, be fun. of course. Uh, so our first question we always ask people is just, what was food like growing up in your house? How, what kind of role did food play as a kid? Um, so I come, like, my parents got divorced when I was, like, four. So a lot of meals were, like, on the road. So I didn't really have, like, a, my. there's no real, like, dishes that my family makes. Like, mm. my grandma has, like, some staple dishes, but, like, she lived, they live in Arcadia. So we moved up to... Uh, Northern California in like the 80s because of earthquakes and stuff like that. So I moved to Grass Valley. In terms of just like family home cooking, I cannot even tell you like a single thing that was like (laughs) a lot of it was like we had a lot of golden arches. Uh, I remember when In-N-Out Burger off Highway 49 Mm -hmm. got built. That was a big one. My dad would pick me up on the weekends to come down to Sacramento. There's a place called Taco Tree off of 49. Yeah, I know Taco Tree. So I ate a lot of Taco Tree growing up. A lot of takeout. If I stop and think, I know that there's dishes that like my parents would make, like my mom would make meatloaf. But it's like, is that something that's like, do I miss my mom's meatloaf? I sure. could not tell you what my mom's meatloaf tastes like. Okay. I live with my mom mostly, and I would visit my dad down here. But it kind of it kind of switched off. I moved like I don't know, like 36 times from the age of like four to 18, just wow. with like parents, just different moving. towns or some of that, just Pre- different houses in the same town. Predominantly in Grass Valley. And then my dad in, when I was 12, moved literally like not far from here, like Orangeville area. But I stayed in Grass Valley with my mom and would come on the weekends. But yeah, I moved so many times. So I think that kind of also factors in with like my parents cooking and things like that. Both of them worked full-time jobs. So like I was kind of like a latchkey kid. I ate a lot of Top Ramen. Yeah. So I remember my dad taught me how to make like a microwave egg sandwich out of like a coffee mug and like microwave bacon. Because I was like, get home, wait for your brother to get home. Or, like, I would be at, like, a friend's house. What was so, it like growing up in Grass Valley? I lived up there for a couple of years. It's an interesting, uh, interesting place. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> Grass Valley, I always divine it, is, like, there's two parallels, and there's, like, a lot of hippies and a lot of rednecks, and they all kind of bond over, like, smoking pot and listening to Sublime. <laughs> 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 at my high school, there was, like, one bench, and I bet you it's still there me and three other people sat there and I still talk to them as much as I possibly can. All mm-hmm. my best friends loved punk and hardcore music. And we were like, we want nothing to do with a single soul in this place. I grew up really adamant of like, I got to get the hell out of here. And then I started getting like really bummed out in high school. Like no one ever makes it in Grass Valley. No one ever does. And then there's a skateboard video that drops. It's a video magazine called Trans World Sight Unseen. And in that skate video, there's a skateboarder from Sacramento, from Grass Valley, who I had no idea was at the time, but his name is John Cardiel. 
And in that video, John skates Magnolia. And I'm in LA visiting my grandma and she's like, oh, we'll take you to the skate shop. And he's like, oh, the, the guy's like chopping up. And they're like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from Grass Valley. And he's like, where's that? And I was like, Sacramento. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you have to see this video. And then he shows me and I'm just like, that's my school. Nothing, nothing happens. Nothing right. cool happens here. <laughs> so to see him do this, there was like a hill, like a, it's like a, a roll in. So you roll in and then you roll up and he smiths grinds up the rail, which is like absolutely insane. He's like the, the greatest skateboarder of all time. Doesn't even skateboard anymore. He had an accident where he hurt his back and he can't mm. skate anymore, which is like devastating. Just seeing that clip alone has like made me who I am today because it's like, okay, you can fall, you can get up, you can keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And at some point you'll hit that trick. Now you talked about wanting to get out of Grass Valley. Did mm -hmm. you want to like get out of Northern California or just like get down to Sacramento? Okay. So by, by my junior year, I just knew that I wasn't going to finish high school. Like I just knew it. I was truant. I would literally just go into class and then just sit there and just be like, I'm not. Like, none of this is, like, computing at all. And I think it's due to, like, dyslexia, and there wasn't really, like, anything to help yeah. with that. And then, again, senior year comes around, all my friends have graduated. I turn 18 in the beginning of the year. I'm, like, in high school, have tattoos, and I'm, like, why am I here? One of my best friends, Calvin, he's actually a couple years younger than me. He was, like, my locker mate. He's, <laughs> like, years later, we're hanging out, and it's, like, me, him, and my wife, and my wife's like, how was Ben in high school? And he was like, dude, Ben was so bad. <laughs> and he's like, I've never met a kid that would just stand up in the middle of class and just start to walk out. And when the teacher would be like, where are you going? He'd just say the skate park and just leave. So I dropped out of high school. Then I would just kind of go to this record store called Off the Record because I had friends that worked there. My wife walks into the record store that summer. It was not my wife then, but this girl walks in and I was just like, who is that? My friend Jason's like, oh, you don't know her? That's Pemba. And I was like how do you know her? And he's like, oh, she, she comes in here. Cool. <laughs> Call me every time she comes in here. <laughs> and then like, she was buying this record that they didn't have that I really liked at the time that a lot of my friends made fun of me for liking. Cause I, I like all music. Whereas a lot of my friends were like, we listen to blood for blood and that's it. Mm. I'm okay. Crying. It's all good. I'll listen to anything <laughs> sad. I'll listen to like, I got shit going on in my life. So I'll listen to whatever makes me feel better. Yeah. And she was buying a record that I really liked at the time. And I was like, that's the one. So then I wasn't there. My friend Jason's like, hey, my, Brent, my friend Ben thinks you're like really, really cute. And he wants to get to know you. And she was like, oh, was he here the other day? And he's like, yeah. And he's, she's like, oh, cool. And then I bumped into her at a show. And then we just kind of hit it off. We started hanging out that summer. And then she got into UC Davis. So I was like, okay, cool. I got to figure out how to stay close to this girl. Mm -hmm. So I moved to Sacramento. So over that summer, I dropped out of high school. My dad had given me a car to commute to school. And he was like, cool, if you're not going to go to school, you don't get the car. You have no purpose. Yeah. I was like, all right, you can keep the car, but you have to give me $100 a month or you can get your GED. And I was like, oh, okay, got to find a job. So then uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then my friend Hunter, his dad owned a hot dog shop up there called Hot Dog Heaven. It used to be called Julie's Hot Dog Heaven. And they had a person that just quit. And I was like, dude, tell your dad, I'll come every day. I got a job there. Literally the only male in this like <laughs> kitchen, but it was, it was so awesome. I loved that job so much. Worst burn I've ever got in my life was there. Really? It was from the steamer. Yeah. You have to keep it kind of cracked so that the steam kind of come out, but someone had shut it all the way. So when I went to open it, it just, <sighs> my whole arm just dusted. Oh. So learned my lesson, long sleeves only at the hot dog shop, but I probably paid my dad 200 bucks before I got my GED and then moved to Sacramento. I couldn't find work. I remember I applied at Big Spoon Yogurt, and they were mm -hmm. like, no. And then 
from there, I started working in like the Perigary group. Jason Boggs hired me. Oddly enough, um, I went to, there was a job fair at what was Cosmo, which was on, I think it was on 9th and K. It's now like a closed Mexican restaurant. But I was like, oh, cool. I'm like, I'm just going to see if I can get a job. Mm-hmm. And I went there and I bumped into what was the chef at Monkey Bar Cafe Bernardo. And she was like, oh, I need a pantry cook. And I was like, I'll do it today. And she's like, oh, I don't need you for a couple of weeks. And I owed my friend money. And I was yeah. like, I don't know how I'm going to get this money. And as I'm walking back, Jason Boggs calls me and he's like, hey, I need someone right now. I was like, I'm at R15. Like, he, I guess he had a cook that had come in that was inebriated and peed, peed his pants. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> so I lucked out. Thanks to that guy, I got my like my first like Sacramento job. Right on. So, were you looking specifically in restaurants, or at that time, were you looking at just like any retail job, any, any job, anything, or was did you know food was like a good avenue for someone in your situation to be able to get in? I like never wanted to be a cook. I just fell into it. There's nothing that made me like I'm gonna be a chef when I grow up, or yeah. I'm gonna own a restaurant. It was just kind of, dude, I'm broke. I need something. And then from there, you, you know, you build your community up from there. I owe a lot to like Jason for having just faith in me for just being like a weird punk. He probably saw himself mm-hmm. and me a little bit. He's like an old punk as well. But yeah, he hired me on the spot. No questions asked. Just will you be here? I was like, yeah, I'll be here. that he got his first job in the restaurant industry because some dude showed up to work drunk, pissed his pants, and had to be sent home. Uh, folks, if you not have not worked in the restaurant industry, I mean, I wouldn't say that's common, but I would not say I'm surprised. I can't say I've gotten a job this way, but I have definitely seen people get jobs in not too dissimilar fashions. It's a work hard, but play hard kind of industry. And some people just don't know quite how to balance that, but that's a benefit to other people like Ben, who was able to, you know, step in and start working on his culinary career. As you mentioned, he was at R15 for a little while. Ironically enough, he uh, learned how to toss his first pizza there. Doing that, Ben heard about Shady Lady opening up on R Street as well. So he jumped over there and was a part of the opening team there. Kind of played around there for a bit. After a bit of time at Shady Lady, he went down to Galt and helped open Brewster's, which was not exactly successful. We've all kind of been a part of those openings that don't quite go as we planned. And from there, he kind of had the opportunity to go search for a job where he wanted and taking a look at the Sacramento restaurant scene, he saw that the Selens were kind of the the big empire and wanted to learn from them. Yeah, and I love how in Ben's story, I asked him how he went from a kid who ate a lot of taco tree, round table, and McDonald's to a kid who wanted to work in fine dining. And, you know, oftentimes it takes that mentor in the industry to point you in the right direction. Working for Jason at Shady, he kind of put me on. He's like, you need to buy these books. And then also he hired this guy, Kevin, that had just worked at Michael Mina mm. and to run Shady. And they were both really adamant about like, get a food lover's companion book, get a flavor Bible, get the French laundry cookbook and start eating meat. Cause I was like vegetarian at the time too. Okay. Yeah. And then just buying those books. And then I fell down a wormhole of really like just, I was like always like a nerd vinyl collector of like weird punk and hardcore. And then it was just like, oh, I'm going to go find this guy's book. I'm going to go get this guy's book. I'm going to go get the, oh, this guy serves bugs. Cool. Let's, let's. Oh, I'm never going to eat those bugs. That's You have to get go to Norway to eat those bugs. You know? like, <laughs> never going to happen. Looks, the bugs look delicious, though. But, yeah. And then was like, okay, well, if I'm – I can't be serious about this and work, like serve, like, nice food that's in a bar. Like, I have to be in a nice restaurant. So that's when I was like – I had really, really, really wanted to work for the Selens Group because mm-hmm. at that point they had Ella 
and they have the kitchen and those are like the places. I got to go work for one of those two spots. Yeah. Randall's the guy in Sacramento. He's the guy. I, right. I still will call him and stuff like that. I was like, hey, I need a letter of reference. You down? You know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I just needed to work for him. I knew that. I was like, if I get in, if I want to be serious in Sacramento, I got to work for that guy. I kind of feel like he's created such a, like a little nucleus of solid people that have now branched out that you can now work for a bunch of people. But in that time, in that year, that was that was the, the yeah. heart. Now that heart has grown. A lot of people work from him and learned right. a lot from him. It's like the Bill Walsh of Sacramento, right? Like <laughs> oh, I would. He's the, he's, he's the Godfather, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I somehow have not worked in the Sellens group, but, but I'm one of the few that hasn't. Everyone's done like a Perry, or not Perry, but like a Ella or a Kitchen mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. yeah. I, but it's like you probably could puzzle piece your way into that and fit in right away because you've worked with other people. Like there's still things that I say, and people are like, "Ah, oh, you worked for." I know where you got that. Like, like I still call everyone that comes in a restaurant a guest. Yep. Not a customer. And that's something that's just been mm-hmm. like bashed into my head. Yeah. That's what it is. So one of the guys I was with out at Brewster's left and went and started managing salads. And he's like, dude, they could use your hands. They need a sous chef. You should just come and stage. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. So they set me up with the stage and all they had me do was butcher all the fish, the salmon for the case. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that a lot at Brewster's. And they were like, dude, you cleaned all that fish so fast. The last guy we had stage took forever. And I'm just like, just hire me, please. <laughs> I'm about to work at it. I'm, this restaurant's about to go. Bye-bye. I need a job. I didn't say that. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, it was really nice meeting you. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Got the job at Soundlands and worked there for the summer. And all I could hear was just like inklings of just like, just wait till this place, wait till Thanksgiving. It's so crazy. We have to rent a semi truck for all the turkeys. And I'm like, no, get the hell out of here before, <laughs> get the hell out of here before November. Yeah. And there was a bacon week where Randall was in house and Nancy was in house and they were working. It was like a spaghetti Sunday, one of those big paella nights where they did like the big pot. They brought dudes from Ella to come shuck oysters. And I'm just like, this is my chance to network. And I like walk up to Randall. I'm like, hey, it's really honored working for you. I've, I've wanted to work for you for so many years. I don't want to work here. <laughs> and he was like, where do you want to work? It's like, either one of your other restaurants. And he's like, well, why don't you do a week at both and tell me which one you want to work at? I was like, nice. sick. So I did a stage at the kitchen. And I was back with Noah and Stan. And then they only had two cooks at the time. It was awesome. Like the food is always awesome. But I realized real quick that it's like, Groundhog Day of a performance. You hear the same joke about asparagus at seven o'clock at night, mm. every night. And you have to be like, here's the asparagus. Here's the lobster. We're going to put the lobster to sleep. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I was like, dude, I don't think I could do that, even though it's like the prettiest, nicest restaurant. And then I worked at, I did the stage at Ella and that was with Tiemann, Mike Tiemann and Rafine Patel and Mark Bannigan were the, the three chefs there. And I was like, yes, this is where I want to work. And I like told him, I'm like, I want to work at Ella. If they want me, I'll work there. And he's like, okay, go talk to Mike. And I was like, cool, I'll go talk to Mike. After I staged, they were in like a meeting and I went to Ella before my shift at Sellens and I just sat at the bar and waited and waited and waited and waited. I was like looking, I'm like, just come out of that door before I have to leave and go to Sellens. And then he came out, I was like, dude, I really want to work for you. And he's like, all right, cool. Like you start on this day. And then I went and gave notice and they were like, oh, well, can you wait? That was where I kind of learned. It's the same company. I'm not going to get fired if Mm -hmm. I just say no. So I was like, no, I can't. They need me there. I want to go there. I quit. I'm giving you a two weeks notice and then I'm going over there. So then I worked there for 
multiple chefs, multiple years. And then I initially just decided to leave and start Pizza Spring Bean. Yeah. So interesting. That's so cool. The opportunity he gave you two to go work a week at each and figure out what you like and what you wanted to do. That's yeah. awesome. I just think he could see my like, Ugh, I don't want it here. I don't like it here. There was also the, that day too was like, I remember I was like, either I'm going to move up in this company or I'm going to get fired. Mm. Yeah. It was a chaos. I'd worked a double because like they were short staff because that the week they hired me was also the same week that they opened the Eldorado Hills location. Oh, so like okay. they had lost half of their staff. And I remember it was like a spaghetti day. And I remember walking in and seeing Nancy making the bolognese. And I'm like, hi, I'm Ben. She's like, hi, I'm Nancy. And I'm like, that's the Nancy. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> don't get on, don't get on her bad side. Yeah. You know, that's, that's her. What can I do for you? Right. So then I work my whole shift and then they're like, Hey, we don't have a guy at night. Can you come work night? And I was like, sure. Cool. Just leave for a couple hours and then come back. And I was like, all right. And they're like, we'll have everything done for you. I was like, cool. Sounds great. I leave. I go home. Say hi to my wife. What was my girlfriend at the time? And then I'm like, all right, I'm going back to work. Come back. Nothing's no, done. <laughs> no. So I'm like <laughs> frantically like boiling pasta for the spaghetti, the, the insane spaghetti night. And then we keep running out of pasta and we keep running out of pasta and we keep running out of pasta. And I like look over at Nancy and I could just feel her like fuming, like, dude, get your stuff together. Why are you running out of pasta? And I didn't want to be like, they didn't do it for me, you know? And I'll be like, I'll be, I'll have it up. Don't worry. I don't worry. But then she ran out of bolognese because it was that popping because she was there making it. So everyone wanted to go see Nancy mm -hmm. making the bolognese. And then she made more. And, I, and at that point, we're like catching up. And then at the end of the shift, I don't even know if she remembers, but this is something that stuck with me for my whole culinary career. We, I was in the walk-in, moving something around. I don't know, making myself busy. And she came in. She goes, I don't know your name, but I'm Nancy. I was like, I know. <laughs> and then she was like, we just sold so much pasta and thank you. And I was like, okay, I'm not getting fired. Thank God. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah. And then they could kind of see that drive that I, I was down for their company. They're like, we want them to go be happy. And that's, they will take care of you. If you take care of them, they will 100% take care of you. Yeah. So you work your way up at Ella, you get to where you think you want to be. And then you decide, I'm going to go make pizza instead. I kind of capped. There was a moment where it was like, the only way I could grow is if I became a manager. If I got the embroidery. Right. And all the embroidery was already set. You know, there was a couple times where they needed a sous chef, but I probably wasn't ready enough. So then they brought somebody else on. Mm -hmm. And then that happened, uh, that happened enough times for me to be kind of like, oh, like, why am I not getting this opportunity? Yeah. You know, but to be humble, I probably wasn't ready. But there was moments where like, I remember there was a stage and we were butchering chicken and mm -hmm. I'm back there butchering chicken side by side with this guy that's potentially going to be my boss at that restaurant for the, like the chicken. It's an airline breast. So you leave like a chunk of the wing on. And while you're butchering it, it's just like a, you know, you turn your wrist this wing. There you go. The wing stays on. And he comes up to me and he's like, hey, chef, um, I wasn't really paying attention. And I, the wing isn't on this one. And I'm like, oh, I'm not the chef. You got to go talk to the chef. And then immediately it's like, Ben, here's your other case of chicken. That dude's done butchering chicken. You have to, now you have to pick that up. And then his next project is like, oh, you have to cure this duck. I'm like, all right, well, I'm like watching this guy. I'm like, dude, this guy's going to be my fucking boss. Oh, no. <laughs> and then like he, he starts feeling the rosemary on this duck and he like looks over and he's like, I feel like I'm one with the earth when I'm doing this. And I was just like knife down, walk into the walk-in, go up to the chef at the time. I'm like, dude, if this guy's my boss, I'm out. And like, why? And I told them, and then they walked out. They had to check, like, "Hey, thanks for your time. Here you go." <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it was it was a few a few of that where I'm just like, "All right, I got to figure out my next step because I've been here for some X amount of years, and I need to grow just to be that much more of an adult." Yeah. And I at that time I was like, 
oh, maybe I'll just create a fake company. And I created Pizza Supreme being like the Instagram handle. And then I just kind of tapped into the things that the subcultures and stuff that I love because I knew that if I can show who I am, the followers will come because I know there's millions of kids throughout the world that feel the same way, that are into mm -hmm. the same things that I'm into, that will follow it and go from there. And I gained like enough of a social media presence that I could then make some like t-shirts, sold those t-shirts, got a little bit of money, went and qualified for an equipment loan. That's what I used to buy the oven and did the wood fire trailer thing for four years, five years, I don't remember, before uh, the space that I'm currently in became available. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That's so cool. That's such a journey that going from one extreme almost to the other, like do you see any parallels or, or what, what did you take from the Ella Kitchen that you now use in your pizza making or in the restaurant? Like how, how, how do those two compare or contrast? How to be a good host and things like that. I mean, my restaurant's kind of, it's kind of hard to say now because my restaurant's primarily takeout. I have no dining room, so it's like I'm not really that great of a host. I have seating outside, but like, you know, I don't get to be the the Walt Disney Mickey Mouse that I should be walking out. I try to, but yeah. Well, I'll disagree given the small space that you do have. I mean, you do. I was surprised. What it, was like, it took me a few times going there mm -hmm. to realize like, oh, wait, that's that's Ben, yeah. who Eddie mentioned, who owns the restaurant. And he's out here, you know, wiping down tables and like greeting every guest and saying, how's the pizza? Yeah. With your apron on. So as small a spot and as few spaces are to people hang out, I think people who are regulars there would beg to differ with you that you are kind of the the, <laughs> the, Mickey uh, Mouse? the, Walt, the Walt Disney of yeah. the pizza supreme being. So the, uh, you do a good job of that. Yeah. My brother, we often jokingly call it yard time. My, me and my yard group, time. Yard time. Yard. My brother would be like, yo, you want some yard time? I'm like, yes. Because in that corner where I'm making pizza, there's no natural light. So if mm -hmm. I go in there, I'm standing there all day. I get kind of like, is, yeah. I got to go. Let me just go outside for a sec, you yeah. know? Yard time. My like yard that. time. You want, some, you want some yard time? So did you know you could make a good, I mean, you worked at R15 and made pizza. Did you know you could make a good pie when you just created the Instagram handle? Or was that a whole process no. to really learning how to make good pizza? So like at Ella too, like, there's a staff meal. So everyone has dinner together before the dinner rush. So at five o'clock, everyone clocks out or 4.30, everyone clocks out before first head comes in. Probably like my last year at Ella, I wasn't actually working a station. I was just kind of covering for people. Mm -hmm. So like when Eddie was off, I'd cover Eddie's station. Or when Martine's off, I'd cover Martine's station. And then when Friday, I would just be in the back breaking down chicken, plating like banquet desserts, things like that. So a lot of the times I was making staff meal. So I'd be like, oh, what's on this shelf? Because they would be like, Oh, the menu's over. We have this quart of peppers left from last menu, but it'll go on the family meal shelf. So it's like, all right, so next week I have to make a dish using that. And the easiest way to use the most things is just make pizza. And they have a huge wood-fired oven, so I would make huge sheet tray pizzas. And then when it always feels good when you put up a staff meal and it gets destroyed, mm -hmm. absolutely destroyed, because there's been plenty of times you put up a staff meal and everyone's like, I'm going to go get a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. This is just cream <laughs> cheese and noodles, you know, like... So I would make pizza, and there was a there was a period where people were like, dude, you should make pizza. You should make pizza. And I heard that enough times. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to make pizza. Right you know? So I learned how to make wood fire pizza at Salins. Dough, I learned how to make just trial and error. You're right. Yeah. That's so cool of Randall and the Selens group to allow Ben to kind of like learn and grow and to, to develop who he is 
while under the watchful guise of everyone at Selens and let him like, you know, try out new doughs and test new things out and having to cook for, and I can tell you as being a server, some very harsh critics in there. But also as a server, I can tell you, we love watching people grow behind the kitchen. I love seeing people, you know, start at garmage and work their way up through roast to grill and saute and all that stuff. The opportunity for them to see Ben go on and now create kind of an iconic pizza joint in town has just got to be so much fun and so cool for them to see and really encouraging for them too as they work in that company. So one of the things I love about the Sacramento food scene, it's probably true in most, you know, mid-sized cities, big cities, but I mean, Ben's cooking amazing pizza. We talked about some of the pizzas he did in our opening, but it's fun to have people with that level of talent and skill cooking just some like awesome down-home food. And that's what that's what Ben's all about, right? He loves the food he's serving people because that's the clientele he wants to serve but he takes all that knowledge and he takes that skill and he puts it in a pizza and man, is it good. So Ben didn't just go from Ella, open Pizza Supreme being over there on 14th Street and that's what happened. He started with a wood fire pop-up for four or five years after he left, traveling to outside of bars, farmer's markets, all sorts of places with a wood fire oven on a trailer. And what happened at the time is there weren't all these different pop-ups everywhere, and there actually wasn't the proper permitting within the health department. So a whole bunch of pop-ups started up around the same time, and it caught the health department's view, and they tried to shut everybody down. Ben is not the type of guy to be told no unless you give him a good reason, and the health department couldn't give him a good reason. So he fought and fought and fought for years, meeting with AIDS, figuring out how do we get this fixed? I don't understand why you're trying to stop me from just selling pizza, because it was more of a business structure deal than it had anything to do with the health department. And eventually, after years, a bill was finally passed that allowed for a new type of permit called a host permit so that the Yard House, Porchlight Brewing, Track 7, all these places could have the specialty permit so that they could have pop-ups in their parking lot. And Ben doesn't really like to talk about it a bunch, but he played a big role in getting that bill passed so that all the pop-ups you see now at these breweries could operate. And we all get to enjoy awesome food out of trailers and pop-ups and off folding tables all over the place. Yeah. One of the really cool things about Ben is his graciousness. He doesn't really care how you eat his pizza. As long as you enjoy it, he's happy. With pineapple, without pineapple, with ranch, without ranch, whichever way you want to eat it. So let's hop back in here and hear what Ben has to say about that. My ongoing like mantra is don't criticize how a person wants to eat their food. I don't care if you want pineapple. I don't care what you want. Like I don't care. I don't care if you're from yeah. New York. It doesn't matter. Right. My, my ongoing thing is like if a person calls the restaurant and they lead it with like, Yo, I'm from New York, so I'm like, cool, I'm from Grass Valley, so yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, what? what? And I was like, oh, I thought we were just telling each other where we're from. Yeah. So I don't know. Where you're from, I mean, to an extent, where you're from doesn't give you the right to like comment on how people eat their food. Oh, no. I agree yeah. 100%. <clears throat> yeah, no. Yeah. You, I may not agree with what they how they eat their food, but yeah. I will respect it. Yeah. Sure. I'm not a pineapple on pizza person. I just can't. And I grew up in Hawaii. I, I just can't. I appreciate your uh, getting the Canadian bacon off, though. Yeah. I never understood that one. but Yeah. Got to put spam on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Spam I all day. I was like an anti-pineapple person, but that's just because how the pineapple is prepared. So instead of like big chunks, I like shave it thin on like a Japanese mandolin. So you're not biting into this moist bomb of hot pineapple juice. On your pizza. Straight out of a dole can. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So, like, we're cutting pineapple and shaving it 
Okay. I, you know, I might, that might change my because exactly that's exactly what I don't want. It's yeah. just this big sudden sweet burst. Like, yeah. wait a minute, where is this coming from? Yeah. It's shaved in there because like I love a mango salsa. Yeah, that kind of sort of thing. Like yeah. I don't mind the fruit with the savory. Mm-hmm. It was just You'll interesting. Have to give it a shot when you get over yeah. there. You're gonna have to order. You a have slice to just wine. try it once, and if you don't like it, I'll give you another slice. Just oh, I'm it. sure I'll eat it. Yeah, especially if there's spam on it. And then it. I also put jalapenos on it too. Right? I'm yeah. a okay with that. Yeah, so. It's the Hawaiian pizza for the anti-Hawaiian pizza person. There you go. I respect that. I respect that. Now, you only carry three pies, right? For the most part. We're, we're adding – we have one that we call the heat wave that we can, is kind of just like living. It's like a living on the menu special, but it kind of just lives on there when we can get the ingredients. It's got copa jalapenos and hot honey. So if, like, I order copa – It's and fucking delicious. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It's, no, I, always it's order, a, I order it whenever it's there. It's a good one. But um, if you come in it's not there, it's because we're waiting on a delivery. So let's dive into your pizza a little bit. Okay. You mentioned yeasted versus leavened versus mm-hmm. all that. So explain your dough and your process of creating your dough. So at the restaurant, we do like a naturally leavened pizza, which is just, we have like a mother that we keep alive. It's really like. So quick time out. Let's break that down for the viewers. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very complicated sentence alone Sorry. right there. Yeah. <laughs> so what is a leavened dough versus a yeasted dough? So uh, a yeasted dough is something you would use like dry active yeast. You would add water to like pellets that would then cause your bread to rise. Whereas we have this bucket of goop that we've kept alive for many years, which is just a fermenting bucket of flour and water that has a fermentation that's grown in it. I don't know. Again, didn't finish high school. (laughs) It Uh, just works. Yeah. You just mix these things together and when they're bubbly, it's good. You just use that instead of using, it's the difference between pellets or what is a sourdough starter. So just a scoop of that and then you add that into your flour, water, salt and just build it out from there. Yeah. Pretty that's much. Awesome. Yeah. I have a, thankfully I have a buddy that's like really, really calculated. He's like a coder, but he's also kind of like a delinquent, also a decade older than me. So when I told him like, yo, I'm going to do this. He was like, how big of a batch do you need? And I was like, ah, probably like 50 pounds of flour. And he was like, cool. Here's an Excel spreadsheet. Oh, no that's way. cool. That's awesome. I couldn't have done that. There's no chance in hell I would have done that. So but. he calculated you like you knew a small recipe where you could make a dough or yeah. a recipe that broke down into maybe two dough balls. And he said, here's how you're going to make. 40 pizzas yeah. from that recipe. Yeah, yeah. My buddy Aaron. Shout out my buddy Aaron. Everyone needs a buddy Aaron. That's why. Yes, yeah. you do. Uh, Absolutely. But, <laughs> so, but I, I have to give my wife a credit. So I, being the nerd collector that I am, wanted to buy all the Lucky Peaches, even though I'm like a delinquent that can't read really well. Uh, I just like looking at the pictures and the layout and the design and things like that. But there was a bread issue and she read, I believe it was Chad Robertson from Tartine had a whole story in there about mm-hmm. how he ate natural oven for the first time. And actually, if he's in, he didn't get a stomach ache or anything like that. And she's like, yo, you should try and do this. And I'm like, that's so hard. And it's really not that hard. And when I tell people when they're like, oh, I want to start a starter. And it's like, but I'm too intimidated. Like, I don't have a digital scale. I'm like, well, they've been making bread since before scales were a thing. Like, they probably made the scale to make making bread easier. So, like, you just, it's a, a feel thing. So, like, there's been plenty of times where I've been feeding the starter at our restaurant and the scale just turns off. But I've mixed it so many times that it's like, okay, I know it's supposed to look like that. Because, like, a starter is just equal parts water and flour. So you just mix that, and then you let it sit overnight. You take a little bit out, and then you feed it that same thing back just to keep it going. So, like, even on my day off, I have to go in and feed the starter. Like, after I leave here, I'm going to the shop to feed the starter, even though I'm not cooking pizza. I'm there every day. When I had my kid, I had a buddy come and feed the starter for me. Like, I called on the way to the, like, yo, I'm not going to be able to feed three days. I'm out. I have, I'm at the hospital having a kid, and he's like, I got you. Gave him a key before he went and just fed the starter for me. He's like, what do I do? I'm like, just feed it five ounces of this, five ounces of that. I also don't do metric system, which is like very sacrilegious in like the baking world. I just, I still operate in ounces and pounds, (laughs) which is like, 
probably really annoying to people that are like super professional about it. I love the rebellious side. I like that. It's your own shop, right? Yeah. It's the beauty of your own place. <clears throat> right. I'm just picturing this like court bucket in a fridge with like a little monster from like goosebumps just right. like feeding not it every a, day. Not in a fridge. It's just on a shelf. Oh, yeah. on a shelf. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's another thing. Um, it goes dormant if you put it, if you refrigerate it. It's yeah. got to be at the right temperature. Yeah. You have to, um, yeah, feed it every day to make sure that it doesn't go dormant. But yeah, yeah if you put it in a fridge, it, it like it's like freezing Walt Disney's head. Yeah. But yeah, if something happens to the starter, like the shop will have to close for like a, <laughs> like a month. Will it really? Wow. Yeah. Maybe two weeks. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so right. you, your wife reads that article about natural leaven dough and tartine. Did you try some at some point or did you just make some, like what made you so, make, commit to that decision of we're going to be a sourdough spot? The last like year of the mobile stuff, I was like, I have to get a brick and mortar. I'm done. Like I don't want to do another 110 summer in front of a 900 degree oven. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do it. And then my wife is Turkish, so we decided to take a trip to Turkey, and we were there for almost a month. And when we got back, I was like, I'm done. And she was like, well, and then she, you know, is encouraging me to either, like, find a job or, like, you should try – you're burnt on what you're doing currently, so just try and make what you're doing a little bit different. Hmm. And then it was, like, about to be winter, so I'm like, okay, by next summer, if I don't have it, then I'm done. And then I bought this little – tiny electric breville oven and i'm like all right i'm gonna do some sourdough so then i just because the main reason why i didn't do it from the beginning was because of how inconsistent events were that i would be wasting so much flour and water and feeding the sourdough starter yeah now i i feed it every day because we're using it every day so i was like all right, i'll give it a shot so i brought it up made a made a couple batches and she was like dude you you have to do this from here on out i was like okay I'm not going to be doing this ever again because summer's just around the corner and this is done <laughs> you know but sure and then Ed, who owned Yellow Bill at the time, hit me up on New Year's. I was like, hey, I don't think I want to do another year at Yellow Bill. Make me an offer. I was like, cool. Can I come tour it? And I, like, costed all the equipment out and things like that. We bought all the equipment, and we bought him out of his lease. Okay. It was very nice of him to do that. Yeah, that's cool. He was just kind of, like, done managing it, and that was that. And Yellow Bill was – that was owned by Magpie, right? The, yeah. Yeah. Ed Roar. a little spot next to Yeah. And he had other offers, too, and he still just stuck with us. So it was that's right amazing. Now. Yeah. So what made you decide to go with – an electric pizza oven as well instead that's of great, someone who did wood fire for a long time. That's a great question. So just with being in Northern California, all the wildfires and stuff like that, they're not really offering or permitting wood fired ovens anymore mm. um, unless you like have like a ton of money or you lease a spot that already has one in it. That being said, I can tell you where every wood fired pizza oven is in, in our city and the spaces are either occupied or way too much money to lease. Yeah. So I realized that my dream of doing wood fire pizza was over. But then I started doing this electric pizza out of this little tiny oven and it was getting the same like kind of like blistered crust and stuff like that. It's not wood fire pizza. I was like, oh, these, these electric ovens get ripping hot. Yeah. So what difference does it make? I can make delicious pizza. And again, encouragement from the wife's like, yo, why don't you just make big slices? Like there's not, we honeymoon in New York, there was like a slice of pizza every day. So it was like, we, there's nothing like that here. There's slice places, but we could do like a bougie slice of pizza. Mm -hmm. And then once we put the offer in on the Yellow Bill space and Ed accepted our offer, she quit her job and was like, yo, we're going to do this. So a lot of encouragement from her. That's rad. Yeah. Man. Yeah. You just meet a girl in a record store and then you own a pizza shop That's together. Right. <laughs> it's amazing. So being so immersed in the restaurant industry and how small and tiny it is and how everybody knows each other, what do you love about working in Sacramento? There's so much about Sacramento that I love. Like, it's still very young. 
And there's still a lot of talent that hasn't been discovered. Um, and I see that everywhere. So I just love the underdog mindset and the underdog community. There were people like Randall who will travel far. His name will travel far. Yeah. He's known. But there's a whole militia of junkyard dogs out here ready, ready to just destroy this town. And I love that about it. There's a young demographic of people, not like in age, but just young in their career that are going to like paint the town red. But I will say that there is like a disappointing level of people not giving those individuals the opportunity to shine. Yeah. I looked at a lot of spaces trying to like open up my restaurant and just, it's not possible calculating on my phone. Like I got to sell this many pizzas just to make rent. Yeah. And like that's not buying the ingredients. That's not paying the people. That's not, that's just this many pizzas to pay you. Yeah. Like lights aren't even on. Like, I don't know how I made those pizzas. So I think there needs to be some sort of like way that we can uplift the underdogs. What's the future hold for you? Where Where's this heading? What is, uh, is there a fourth pie coming? What is the, uh, <laughs> what's the future for Pizza Supreme being in Ben Roberts? I mean, we always try and run specials. So there will be fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighths, but those are available. I do want to interrupt. That Jim Boy's taco slice you came up with the other day looked yeah. outstanding. Can't take all the credit for that. That was that was me, Eddie, Dylan. Dylan was this kid that helped me with pop-ups but moved to San Diego and has now moved back just for a little bit interim, and he's helping out at the shop. But we are all just kind of like spitballing because Cinco de Mayo is like the worst day for pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, the year prior, I think I sold 13 pizzas <laughs> the entire day. Wow. So I was like, we're going to close or we have to do something really silly. And they're like, dude, let's just do a Jim Boy's pizza. So we prepped all that at 5 p.m. the night before. Like, I, love I, it. I left mid, like having Dylan and Eddie there, I can now leave for a couple of hours and come back until like a bunch of online orders come in. And I have to like do the computer to turn it off because mm-hmm. it's getting too crazy. But I left and went and picked up all the ingredients to do it and then came back. We prepped it up and then we ran it the next day. We sold a lot of those. We sold out of it before we opened. We sent because we ran out of ingredients. Holy cow! That's awesome. So it was like fully booked, which is which is like a. I want to explain the whole selling out process because like we sell out of pizza and people will call and be like, "Well, what do you mean you're still there?" And it's like we still have to fulfill the orders. Right. Like somebody ordered a pizza for eight o'clock tonight. I'm here till eight o'clock tonight. Or yeah. So like that's when we sell out of pizza. That's what that means. Yeah. If I'm still there, I'm still there. If I if you call and I'm sold out of pizza, just know that I probably have like 70 pizzas I have to make. Yeah, yeah. Watch episode five or whatever it is of the bear. <gasps> that I know that slacker just goes. Yeah, yeah. That's, it, screech. that's that's what is happening. That was embellished for sure. Oh, 100 percent. But <clears throat> that I feel like they just made that so someone like my dad will like see that and be like, "Does that happen to you?" And right. it's like, yeah, because not just, exactly, but. Yeah. But kind of. Close enough. Yeah. yeah. That was there to make the person that's never worked in a kitchen feel what you actually feel. Right. Exactly. Which, yeah. You could, yeah. We did a mushroom pizza, and there's this guy, Thomas, who owns a mushroom company. He just drives a van. He drives a van around and has mushrooms on hand. I turn the web store on. Eddie's already at the restaurant. I get in the shower, and I all of the web orders are synced to my phone. So if I'm like doing something, I'll feel like a, I'm like, okay, we're getting an order. And I'll go look and the printer will print up. So I'm like shampooing, I've soaped my eyes and I just hear my phone going, ba-beam, 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 ba-beam. I'm like not even at the restaurant yet. And I just know like, okay, there's an order, there's an order, there's an order, there's an order, there's an order. And then it's just going and going and going. <laughs> I'm not, I have no clothes on. My body's covered in soap. And I'm just like, we're screwed. Oh, and man. then I get to the restaurant and Eddie's just like, dude, and I'm like, call Thomas and we're getting more mushrooms. So as I'm making mushroom pizzas in my oven that fits four pizzas, one of those decks is now dedicated to making slices, but also roasting more mushrooms. 
so we can keep going. Yeah. At that point, it was just me and Eddie and my brother. And my brother had not gotten there yet. And yeah, it was like one of those days where like we were out of pizza at 11.30. Right. Like not, we couldn't sell any more pizza. We were there cooking pizza for yeah. the rest of the night, yeah. but could not offer anybody because every 15 minutes there was a pizza going in and going out, going in and going out. So, so as the person that answers like 95% of the phone calls and cooks pizza as well, if people can do the research to see like mm-hmm. the web store is turned off and there's a pop-up that says we're sold out of pizza. And I literally on that day, I remember put a pop-up on the web store that said, please refrain from calling the restaurant. And people would call and be like, I saw this pop-up. Is that serious? It's those little like tiny, it's just people just not getting it. And like, yes, it's serious. We're, and they're like, well, you get to, I guess you get to go home now. And I was like, no, 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 no get, <laughs> I wish. Uh, <laughs> the, how long do the pies cook and at what temperature? If a perfectly hot oven, I can get a pizza out in five minutes. Five minutes. If it's perfectly hot. What temperature? I don't know. The thermostats are all broken on our oven. Not lying. Swear. Uh, probably like <laughs> 700 degrees. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. But yeah, they're all, the pyometers are all broken on our oven. And I'm like, I'm not. Just put a notch. That's I, got where a, it is. I got an infrared thing. Okay. There you go. Like they, they're like set, but yeah, it's hot. Yeah. That's another thing too is like the ovens can only fit one pizza in at a time. Oh, okay. I don't have like a. A deck that you fit two or three pizzas in. It's like I have four decks, one pizza per deck, and then one of those is dedicated to slices. Yeah. Heating slices up. So like on big, big orders, your oven will drop in temperature as you're opening the door and you're putting another cold dough on that. By that last pizza, there's not going to be much caramelization on the bottom of that pizza. Yeah. So a lot of times we will cook the top and then finish in the slice oven if we have that available. Interesting. So yeah, there's little, there's little tricks of the trade you can do. So... Well, Max is a fresh pizza oven owner, so I'm sure he will take, and I will take all the suggestions as well. I love, I love, I, did, I have had a pizza oven. I skipped the sourdough phase uh-huh. during COVID because my mom just bought me a pizza oven, so I just dove straight into that, and I've got loved it. I'm a Detroit style guy. That's cool. my favorite. Nice. Yeah, I just got a little uni oven. Sick. For my birthday. So nice. It's fun. We made 10 pizzas for my 40th birthday. Oh, sick. I was like, well, it's not a 40th birthday party. It's a, I got a pizza oven. Party. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's I'm the birthday sure. boy is I'm cooking like, everything. Pizza. It's like, I like to cook. So that's my, my in-laws are like, you, why did you have Max just, he made everything. Why? Yeah. She was like, that's what he wanted. That's what yeah. he wants on his birthday is time to just like go crazy. Cause yeah. otherwise during the week, she's like. We're, no, we're not going crazy. Just we have three kids. Yeah. We never see each other. Just like let's get something on the table. Right. And I'm like, what? I can't dive into a cookbook and spend three hours making something. No. Three hours <laughs> making mac and cheese. <laughs> but on my birthday, I can. Yeah. So, so let's talk briefly about the other ingredients you use because you know your your if someone who doesn't know they'll know this pizza is really good, mm-hmm. but it's it's a humble slice of pizza right. that a lot goes into it, right? And yeah. I know from reading that not that any restaurant was, but you know, you're not buying, <laughs> no, you're not I, buying your mozzarella and tomato sauce at Trader Joe's, right? Yeah. Like you're it's. You're using really quality ingredients on top of a naturally leavened dough, and even the flour you use is high quality. So, uh, there are ingredients I can buy that are not good. I'll say that there yeah. are there are manufacturers of things that that make cheap products. I often tell people that my food is not cheap; it's affordable because the things that I use are not cheap. Yeah, I happen to just sell something at an affordable price. So, to break down what we use, we use. Uh, I made the switch. I use King Arthur flour. Okay. I also get kind of to pay homage to like my hometown. I get whole wheat from Nevada City. I use that and some King Arthur to feed my starter. Mm-hmm. So there's some whole wheat in there as well. Sauce, I use Bianco di Napoli pureed tomatoes. They're grown out in like woodland process in Los Gatos. So that's a California organic product. Cheese blend, I use uh, Grande, which is like a 
pretty like a lot of pizza places use grande. I do a, a blend of some provolone and some low moisture mozz. We were when we first opened pulling our own mozz, but just realized that it doesn't really make a difference either way. Like people weren't noticing like, oh, they're pulling yeah. mozzarella and it was a lot of work. So I switched to a, a low moisture mozz. And then I've also heard and read that it's like one of those things like it, you're supposed to eat cheese if it's like fermented. You want it aged because it's easier to <clears> digest. You eat it like straight up, you're going to get more of like a, a tummy ache for sure. I don't know. I read these things. I'm like, that makes sense. Sure. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I use a cheese that was on a dessert board at Ella. It was uh, Cypress Grove Midnight Moon. So that's in our blend as well. So that's like a $170 wheel of cheese that's just getting ground and putting pizza. Yeah. I like tag them and stuff. And I'm like, I wonder if they get bummed that they're like, I, <laughs> this, this guy's using pizza? Yeah. He's just throwing it. And, oh, but they, awesome. they've DM'd me like, that's so crazy. That is such an integral, like, that's like, needs to be in there. If I yeah. took that out, like, there's been times where I'm like, I've told my wife, like, yo, we have to take this out because it's so expensive. And she's like, they're going to notice. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so you can thank my wife. I've been wanting to take it out just because, <laughs> but yeah. All right. It's cool. hard to get and it's expensive. It's not meant to be pizza cheese, but it makes, it, might, it makes, you know, it's, it says cheese, it's right? a, it says it's a melter, okay. you know, it's yeah. listed, but I don't, <laughs> I don't advertise it on, I just say our three cheese blend, you yeah. know? So that's awesome. Yeah. Who are you outside of Pizza Supreme being? Like, what do you like to do, listen to, watch, read? Like, what, what do you do when you're off the clock? I mean, you have a child, so I assume that takes up a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, you know, a dad, but I had a partner, so I got to, you know, do that. But in terms of things that I'm interested in and things that I love, I love punk and hardcore music. It's been a huge part of sculpting who I am. You know, I, as I explained prior, like, I'm straight edge, which means I don't drink or smoke or do drugs or anything like that, which is kind of weird. Um People, you think as like an, like, I remember as a kid, like, man, when I'm like 21, no one's going to care. But it's like, as you become an adult that doesn't drink, people will kind of like look at you like you're even weirder than when you're like a high schooler that doesn't mm -hmm. do that. But uh, yeah, it's just been a huge puzzle piece of who I am. I love skateboarding. I love wrestling. So skateboarding, again, is another thing that like, if I didn't fall in love with that, I probably wouldn't, like Pete Spring Bean wouldn't exist. That wouldn't exist. Punk music, if I didn't get into punk music, Pete Spring wouldn't exist. I run this company like I would a skateboard company or a hardcore band or something like that. You had asked like, what's the future? I always joke that I'm going to make a band called Pizza Supreme Bean, like a hardcore <laughs> band that's just solely as a way for people that are in, in the service industry to like get that angst out because uh, there's plenty of that. So that's in the works. The future, there will be a Pizza Supreme Bean record of some sort will drop. I will. I don't know when, no date, nothing, but it will happen. And you'll be like, oh, damn. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. All right, so into rapid-fire food-related questions, then. Pizza is obviously many people's favorite cheap guilty pleasure. What's yeah. your favorite cheap guilty pleasure? Honestly, like, if I could have it regularly, the, the swamp-style nachos at Taco Tree were, like, a, a thing. That's where, rather than putting everything on the nacho, they, get, they opened up the clamshell, and they put everything in one side and then your chips on the other side. Oh, nice. So you can, like, scoop. Yeah. No Someone was a chips. thinker on that one. Swamp-style Taco tree nachos. Yeah. That sounds good. That's a good one. I also love Jim Boy's In N Out Burger. Yeah. Yeah. What is your favorite dish to cook at home? So I would say right now that my favorite thing to eat at home is my wife's beef stew. I don't cook. Good. I can I do enjoy cooking, but like I haven't cooked at home just being just running that restaurant. Yeah, I haven't been sure. able to like turn a pan on at the house. What's your favorite snack food? Chips and salsa for sure. Yeah. What kind of salsa do you like? 
anything. Yeah. Yeah. Spicy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite pizza you've made at Pizza Supreme being? I literally, if I could, I would just sell only cheese pizza. Really? You're a cheese pizza guy. Yeah. Okay. I love pepperoni, but like when I, for, so for instance, like when I take a pizza home, the pizza that I make is a half pepperoni, half cheese, and then I put jalapenos on my half and then pineapple on her half. So like a cheese and jalapeno, if I'm, if I could serve just one pizza, it would be cheese pizza. Okay. Good to know. All right. Uh, With ranch. Yeah. Of course. Of course. (laughs) What's a spot in town you want to give a shout out to? I have a few. So let let, let them fly. I love it. (laughs) I love Happy Takeout out in Oak Park, Chinese food. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Yeah. And uh, so when I'm not even there, I'll go to Taqueria Jalisco off of Mm -hmm. uh, 16th and D. Been eating there for a while. Lived over in that hood for a long time. One of the best burgers in town. I had it yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Such a and their fries are fantastic. I I used to live right over there. Yeah, yeah. We love just like the the taquitos, solid. And then of course Willie's, a hammer four with grilled onions, pastrami. Yeah, can't go wrong. My brother, my it's always hard to say my brother because there's there's four of us. So my brother Chad lives up in Washington now. Every time he comes here, he's like, "Do we have to go to Willie's?" And the same thing with like Taco Tree, him, him as well. He'll be like, he took his wife to Taco Tree and she was like, this isn't good. And he was like, I wanted to divorce her. <laughs> you watch your mouth right now. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Those are some good shout outs. I, I, I like all of them. That's yeah. awesome. All right. Well, Ben Roberts, thank you so much for being on the Dine One Six. And, and thank your wife, Pemba, as well, yeah. for, for letting us borrow you for a couple hours on a day off. It's all, it's her. It's her baby, too. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. The, the fact that she allowed allowed that to happen, you know, is a, is a big thing. She needs more credit. Yeah. I, I'm often, I like how you said, like, oh, you're the Walt Disney. She's the Walt Disney. I'm the Mickey, I'm the Mickey Mouse. Right. Know? Yeah. She's the Wizard of Oz. For sure. Really yeah. making it happen. For sure. That's awesome. I'm just the Scarecrow. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm a little bit of each one of those. Characters. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. That's it. Thanks, Thanks for guys. Being here, Good seeing you. Since starting this podcast, Ben has actually been one of the few people I've gotten to know because of the podcast. And while I've thoroughly enjoyed our friendship that is becoming of this, my waistline is suffering. I have been getting his pizzas almost once a week. And let me tell you, I do not fit into some things I used to fit in, but... The one thing I do like is how Ben only sells a certain number of pies per day. So I please, everyone listening, go buy a pie before I can so then I can eat it. (laughs) Yeah, his pizza is fantastic. I mean, we went there today to sort of get into the feel and prep for this podcast. And because we don't need a reason to go there. And I mean, today I got typical two slices and I was like, not enough. I went back and got a third slice for no other reason other than I just had to have it. So exciting news for Ben as well. Since we did this interview, he is in the process of taking over the spot next door that used to be Zia's Delicatessen. So he talked a little bit in this interview about not having much space. He's going to have a good size indoor space with booths and chairs, and he's going to add a little bit to the menu. He's talking about making some fresh pasta and sandwiches, which I think is really, really cool. And we got to see the inside. It's going to be beautiful. It's got that Pizza Supreme being sort of bright baby blue all over the place, the booths. Check it out on Instagram. He's not quite sure when he's going to get that all open, but it'll be pretty soon. So cannot wait to see what he does. It's going to be amazing. Listeners, I need to hop in here. Max, this is what we call burying the lead. In fact, you didn't even say it. He has soft serve. 
I think that's all we need to say. He will have pizza and soft serve. And you somehow did not even bring that up. Listeners, I apologize for Max. He is he has a good heart and good intentions, but sometimes he slips. But again, yes, he, I, as I heard today, he will have Dole Whip soft serve. So get your pizza, get your soft serve. You'll be good to go. I'm getting old, Neil. I'm, I'm an old at this point. You got to <laughs> take it easy on me. I mean, I will have a Hawaiian slice of pizza with a Dole Whip soft serve on the side. Holy cow. I cannot wait. All right. Well, if you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you can. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we're on all the platforms as well as YouTube. You can find us anywhere. And most importantly, if you like this episode, send it to friends and family. Just use our website, dine16.com. Just send them that link. They can easily listen straight from there or subscribe from there. That is how the show is going to grow. That is how you're going to get to continue to hear more episodes, find out about new spots, hear the people behind the scenes making them happen. Tell people about the show. That's how it's going to grow. You can follow us on Instagram, see what we're cooking and what we're doing at Dine16.com. Our opening and closing theme music are by my brother-in-law, Mark Owens. The Dine16 is a production of the Hear Me Now studio in Citrus Heights, California. Hold on to your seats as we are going to have another tremendous pizza episode coming out next week with Bobby Mazzullo of Mazzullo Pizza next week on the podcast as we continue our pizza episodes. Until then, hit up Pizza Supreme Being and enjoy some pizza we love with someone you love. Mm